don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened to Social Minds this year. We wrapped for 2019 in a very special episode of Breaking Social, where we looked back on the year, talked all things Christmas, and looked forward to 2020. Yes, we made some predictions, and we also looked at some of the trends that have been emerging recently, including brand safety concerns, maybe becoming a little less concerning for YouTube and Facebook. You're not going to buy the new product on the shelf straight away, but if you get a bit of a taste for it and you get a bit of a sample, and you know it's quite low when it eventually does hike the price you're gonna go for it all this and more coming up hello everybody and welcome to our final breaking social of 2019 Ooh. and what a year it's been i can't believe it's over already it's mad honestly it feels like it was like new year's eve like yesterday i know uh, and i mean we're surrounded by all this amazing sort of social like memorabilia. memorabilia exactly <laughs> yeah shrine. if you uh, watch the screen you can see my hair progressively getting longer <laughs> Over the uh, years, it's, it's mad to look back, um, but of course we're looking forward today, as yeah. we usually do, uh, with everything that has happened, I suppose over the past month, but also making some predictions and looking what's going forward. We'll be asking some questions from you guys. So mm -hmm. uh, without further ado, I, th I think we jump straight into it, don't we? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So the big one uh, that we've seen really was uh, a story to do with YouTube actually this month, and this has been a change that's been coming for a while. They've been, uh, you'll remember uh, months and, uh, you know, maybe about a year ago now, the massive brand safety concerns mm. uh, that affected YouTube yeah. with uh, advertisers like uh, Unilever appearing next to terrorist recruitment videos and mm -hmm. all sorts of, you know, awful content that these brands wouldn't want to be appearing next to. But as time's gone on, they seem to be loosening their stance on brand safety or not necessarily loosening their stance but giving brands a sort of uh, alternative option, um, yeah. riskier brands. Yeah, definitely. I think like it's part of the whole thing. Like brand safety comes as another issue, um, which just reveals like how new social is, and there's like different areas mm -hmm. where rules still need to be figured out. And whereas brand safety was obviously such a big thing, like. Um, especially I think towards the end of 2017 going into 2018 um, YouTube was kind of forced to put a big heavy foot down and like, as a result the rules that have been currently in place have been like really black and white mm, mm. Um, but there are like this policy sort of points out and addresses there are some advertisers um, as well as there are content creators who want to sort of endorse that more mature content I guess yeah, you know yeah. it doesn't have to be like bad it's just yeah. like for an older audience the same way like films are rated 18 plus i think yeah. youtube's sort of getting a little bit more mature in that sense and for this obviously it comes down to violence and gaming mm -hmm. so obviously like mm -hmm. any games like most of them have some kind of violence in it but because it's not real world world violence it's not really fair that gaming channels shouldn't be able to monetize their content yeah. um because as we know like a lot of creators on the platform rely on youtube's adsense to make their living yeah um so until now gamers like really struggled to be able to do that and they said unless they're playing something really family friendly like Fortnite or Minecraft mm -hmm. you know they weren't going to be able to make money so this is just a way to um, identify the advertisers who are all right advertising on content that's made for slightly older audiences mm -hmm. and just matching them up with the creators who are making that content instead of just blanket mm -hmm. banning it so perfect uh, a few examples that spring to mind so so obviously you know it, it, we're not talking again you know when we say sort of like riskier content of course we're not talking terrorist recruitment videos but sort of uh 
you could imagine, say, like an Ann Summers or an 18 film yeah. sort of advertising against content that's slightly, like you said, more adult, a bit edgier, a bit kind of, you know, within that realm. And yeah, definitely. I think it makes perfect sense. And I completely side with uh, a comment that somebody from eMarketer made who said, you know, after brand safety sort of scandal that emerged, the pendulum has since really swung towards the side of advertisers. And yes, while advertisers are, you know, YouTube's bread and butter, they are their key audience, You must, YouTube would be nothing without its creator community. Yeah. So I think they've, you know, put it frankly, I think they've annoyed quite a lot of creators by demonetizing them for, you know, for putting the walls up. And so many mm. things have happened, even with sort of uh, children's sort of content and cartoon content. And, you know, does your content fit this box? creators, you know, very much have felt they've gotten a bit of a raw deal, haven't they? Yeah, no, definitely. And actually, there was um, a quote by, I can never pronounce her last name, Susan... Wojcicki? Wojcicki? <laughs> so sorry if we got that wrong. Please, yeah, um, uh... But yeah, there was a quote from her in like this article about this gaming policy, where she literally said, like, our platform is geared towards advertisers. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh God, like, that's a bit of a bold thing to say, because mm -hmm. you're right, like, you've, they've got this massive creator community, which, like, without them, YouTube wouldn't be where it is like it wouldn't be the platform mm, it is mm. so i think it's important that they listen to those people just as much as they listen to the advertisers definitely such a like you just pointed out there though it's such a balancing act isn't it like i, I really don't sort of envy some of the uh you know head of platforms at these major oh God, platforms no. who've got a you know quite literally please everybody yeah you know, and anybody and do so obviously with their bottom line in mind as well yeah definitely was that what hannah was saying like kind of when you've got like platforms saying one thing and your audience is saying the other mm -hmm. it's like which mm -hmm. one do you lean towards who do you it, listen to it is a balancing act yeah definitely i was quite interested to see uh something that you picked out as well which was uh, a lot of youtubers purposely choosing to uh demonetize their content ahead of the election yeah you know so as not to become vehicles for you know some of the propaganda we've seen i guess yeah no definitely and i think like it's such a shame that influencers have had to take that into their own hands for mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. like that like for a platform platform as big, as old and as sophisticated as YouTube, they should have the tools now smart enough to say this is the right ad for that content, etc. Mm. And then just put mm. more measures in place. And creators who, like we say, they, they rely on AdSense to make their mm. living a lot of the time. Mm. They shouldn't have to take that step to demonetize their own content just to make sure that something they don't personally align with ends up as an advert ahead of their videos. Um, so so yeah. yeah, like I've seen loads of people, YouTubers doing it ahead of the election, getting rid of whoever, like whichever party they prefer because all the parties have been using YouTube to target mm. young people. They've mm. been very smart about choosing YouTubers um, to, to advertise mm. their, their ads on. Um, and yeah, YouTubers are saying, nope, not on my content, please. So they're just shutting it's it true. off. Yeah, and yeah, they'll just take the pay hit for like a couple of days, couple and, of weeks. And, and it makes me think there's almost no such thing at present of, uh, you know, we've got brand safety, but we've not got creator safety, mm. have we? I, I imagine if you're, you know, quite a sort of, uh, you know, a massive kind of outspoken vegan uh, person or, or, you know, yeah, you probably you don't like, want your get content... get like a barbecue with, completely yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> advertising you on your, your video. There's, and, and we have that in press, you know, it's that, that sort of law of association, yeah. you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, potentially our first prediction for 2020, can we see, start seeing the this, this sort of first creator safety initiatives yeah, as yeah. well as brand I would, safety? I would like to see that. I would like to see a lot of different platforms actually give more control and more trust to the creators on their platform mm, because... Mm. 
like they're not being quiet about the fact that they are they rely on those creators and influencers mm. to bring a lot of the audience over to sort of shout about a lot of the new features like Instagram yeah. does for IGTV. Yeah. So it just makes sense to to give them like more control over stuff like that. Massively, massively. And moving on to Facebook, uh, the the blue side of the room. So again, another brand safety story. This was this was one that on I must the more admit side. Me. Yeah, on <laughs> the more positive side. Um, but this idea that Facebook are now introducing. Uh, publisher whitelists for advertisers yeah. whereby uh, they will let advertisers, you know, whitelists give give the go ahead to certain URLs, certain publisher names, certain keywords mm. for their content to appear up against. Because they did, I believe, previously had blacklists in place where we said, yeah. right, we don't want anything from, you know, uh, the mirror appearing next to our content or anything from this or anything from that and so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah, so their blacklists were quite, um, like, concrete in that sense. It would just be absolutely mm -hmm. nothing from that person. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, no, this is a way for Facebook to give more options to its advertisers on, like, where it wants its content to sit, which sort of if we look at YouTube's brand safety debate, obviously that was making massive headlines and Facebook sort of, um, has struggled with similar issues, but mm -hmm. it it's flown under the radar a little bit more. But like largely, that is a big reason why many brands, marketers, um, can be wary of social media channels still and favor outlets like TV and print mm -hmm. uh, because they are the least risky options. Yep. And yeah, like you just can never 100% guarantee or you never could where your content is going to mm. sit and who, like, who it's going to sit next to. This is Facebook just giving them more um, choice to be able to do that. So now advertisers with Facebook's whitelist tool can select certain keywords and phrases to whitelist and certain URLs. So by URLs, I guess that just means like publish your web website. Yeah, so yeah. if you were a massive fan of like The Guardian, you can be like, okay, anything by The Guardian, we're happy with that. Yeah, you yeah. use the URL. Yeah. Or if you wanted to be more specific, with, with it you'd use the keywords and phrases mm. so if your advert was about like I don't know Chinese food yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could use like keywords and phrases related to that and say okay this looks like it's going to match and it's uh, it's interesting as well because I've, I've, I've you know reading more into this as well you know, that idea of URLs, especially with like these news websites, the content is always changing, isn't it? And stuff. Yeah. So how do you kind of, you know, aggregate that? To me, you know, from a, a sort of looking at it, it seems very much like social media is, is becoming that kind of programmatic model or the way programmatic ads work. And it's all very complicated, <laughs> sort of. Uh, yeah. But interesting as well that we seem to be seeing a kind of, from where I'm standing, that we're definitely seeing that line between conservative advertisers and advertisers who are maybe willing to take more risks from yeah. uh, both sides, which is interesting. Yeah, there's something quite funny to be read into Thinkbox's TV report because Thinkbox is obviously funds all the TV channels. Mm. So anything that they come out with, you can pretty much assume it's going to be in favour of TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just the wording they use made me giggle a little bit because it was like least risky choice. I'm like, sure, if you want if you want a safe <laughs> bet, if you want to take zero risks, fine. Which anyone would know us. Yeah, there's a like definite double meaning in that. of what we do, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. But we're still on the subject of Facebook, but this is very interesting. This this made me giggle a little bit, actually. They've launched a chatbot called Liam, uh, which is designed to answer, if you're a Facebook employee, uh, you know, picture the scene. You may be around the table at Christmas or whatever you're doing over the holidays. And, you know, family members and relatives may have some kind of awkward mm -hmm. questions for you, like, why is my phone listening to me? 
and why why is Facebook uh, tarnishing democracy as it is? Yeah. So they've uh, you can explain more about this, but they've essentially come back with this this chatbot that's made by their PR team that gives people stock answers to deal with awkward questions. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think that's hilarious. Like, it's like half clever. It's just, yeah, you're right. Like it is funny. It made me laugh. Yeah. So Facebook obviously is. It used to be like one of the top places that people uh, said that they'd like to work, and now it's like fallen quite a lot in the mm, last few years mm. and understandably like you think we get a hard time as social media marketers sitting around the dinner table and everyone's going so what what exactly what do, do you do, do? Yeah. imagine if like everything your family had heard about where you work and like w- the kind of work you were doing mm. was like really negative headlines mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah you'd, you'd obviously have a lot to answer for so this bot i don't know why it's called liam no it idea just, why it's like, called Liam. Possibly the, the least offensive name ever. Yeah, like everyone's know, got a mate called uh, Liam. Exactly. If it was me, I would have called it Dave. <laughs> exactly, a Dave, yeah. But Dave it's already the, the TV part. channel, unfortunately, isn't there? So. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah, by their PR um, department, as you said. And basically, yeah, if someone were to ask Liam the chatbot, um, like what their stance is on data privacy mm, or anything like that. It mm. comes up with like set sentences that mm. you can like read from. But there's something about that. Maybe it's because it's a bot and there's only, there's only like so much detail you can go into. But it, I don't know if like giving robotic answers for these kind of questions is the right yeah, approach. Yeah, yeah, it just strikes me as they've gone into a bit of like, they're trying to help their employees maybe, but it, it feels a lot like sort of, control like lockdown like don't say anything except these prepared statements because like their PR like the state of it their reputation is just so fragile right now that even like the slightest thing can knock it um, so yeah they've just come out with these like set responses but imagine like that at the dinner table it's like hold on a minute yes we greatly respect all of our users privacy yeah. and they'll just be like you know what the hell no I don't know whether Libra will launch you'll have to get in touch with our Facebook newsroom who <laughs> handle these sorts of matters we care about encryption <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I, I'm, your Facebook. message is very important <laughs> to us you are the next caller <laughs> Facebook is such, uh, Christmas rabbit is such a kind of time where is the one time of year isn't it where all the family comes together and almost interrogate each other yeah. some houses about each other's jobs and yeah, so 100%. interesting to see if anybody works at Facebook by the way who eventually sees this uh, please let us know how <laughs> that goes for you um, we'll move on to Instagram and uh, this has been a story that has gripped us for months and months I and know. months you know the, the wider world has the election like every few weeks the wider world has the general election we have Instagram banning likes within the social media sphere and it's massive and they They've now come out and and said and been quite clear about the fact that they expect that by hiding likes, people will naturally use Instagram more. They will post more. They'll feel like they've not got that kind of uh, weight on them, that pressure to get likes. So you're a bit more kind of you know, unadulted with what you post, I suppose. Yeah, no, so so Instagram hasn't actually commented on this. It was a report done by CNBC. Ah, right, okay, um, stand corrected. Yeah, uh, basically they've, okay, so Instagram stance has always been, we're hiding likes to make people feel better mm-hmm. about what they're mm-hmm. posting, that sort of like mental health, cyberbullying situation, um, like that argument. But this report sort of sheds light on the fact that if people naturally feel you know better and happier mm. when they're on instagram they feel less pressure they're going to post more mm. it's sort of mm. um snapchat's whole thing isn't it yep. that whole yep. argument is the fact that people are still using it a lot in private circles because that pressure doesn't exist there yep. um and that's sort of like the bread and butter of that app and i think 
if that's Instagram's biggest weakness right now is the fact that it has had quite a toxic culture of mm -hmm. high expectations, mm -hmm. self-comparison and ill, men Ill mental mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. If that was your greatest weakness as a business, as a platform, and you were able to identify that, mm. like it's going to be a strategic business move to try and counteract that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think um, our strategy director, Mike, put it best. He's like, yeah, this might be a side effect of that, but the investors are hardly sat around the table talking about people's mental well-being. They're well, talking, exactly, yeah. They're yeah talking we're all about, kind of saying, duh, right now, aren't we, to this? And it's, it's kind of obvious what seems like a very genuine move would have a disingenuous sort of undertone. I think it's got it's got genuine effects but not the cause. I don't think they call no. it. For them, like, we can't hold that against them either. They're a business. It's always going to be yeah, their bottom line yeah. to improve growth, to increase people's dwell time, increase the amount they're posting. And yeah, it makes sense for them to have identified the fact that if we want people to keep using Instagram and mm. keep loving Instagram, they have to feel good in order to post a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, but Mike was very, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was on the group. <laughs> Mike, if you're watching, well. we give yeah, you that. Okay, yeah, you're okay, right. Fair you're enough, right. yeah, yeah. But it is, you know, when I, when I think of the, phenomenon of likes it is such a it's it's a thing of genius isn't it like of like you know on all the social media platforms you had similar sort of metrics but the way instagram and facebook and all of these platforms have managed to kind of you know make likes this currency mm. it is just you know spread like wildfire and everywhere around us in into the mainstream it just kind of sickened me sometimes just how much we rely on it yeah. I posted my most liked ever photo this week sure, and sure. I, I actually hate myself at the amount of dopamine that that gave me. <laughs> Seriously. No, it's like this time of year as well, which I found really interesting. You know, the Instagram top nine feature, the website. Yep, so yep. at the end of a year, everyone uh, shares their top nine. You put in your handle to this website and it gives you your most liked. Yep. I wonder if this year is the last year that we'll ever be able to do that because I'm not sure if that third party will be able to access uh, hidden lights. Even though the number's still there, I don't think they'll be able to get it, surely. Yeah, so some, yeah. some people might even not be able to do it, actually. Has, has there been many tests in the UK yet, or are we sort of like the last to get it again? I know Australia and the, the US were sort of testing it in various territories. It doesn't seem to me like it's hit us yet. I've not seen no, any I, suggestion well, of this yet. It's not on my account yet. No, I don't think the UK has had a full rollout yet, but it was, it's not going to be long. You think it would change things for you? For me? Yeah. Um, I hope you think so. Do you think you'll post more as a result? <laughs> No, but I can see why some people would. I think mm. it's a, obviously a very like individual case-by-case case situation, but I personally don't post for likes. Mm. It's always a wonderful side effect, but I also don't I don't delete things if they've not been likes. Right, okay. Or like that doesn't okay. that doesn't really negatively affect me personally, but I think this change will hit those people the most, like the people the, the, who, the, the, it does you know, they're for, aiming for yeah. a certain target and if they don't get that, they'll take it down because of like shame, embarrassment, sure. whatever it is. But sure. no, I don't think I will. I, I hope I'll start to care less about the, the dopamine thing. I hope so, but I don't know. Oh, I love that dopamine though. Some people just post because the pictures are like nice on their feed. Yeah, like, I like yeah, the way exactly. It yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a sort of, you know, speaking about my own usage here, and I know you shouldn't often do that, but I have a habit of not liking things just because I don't feel you know in the feed I kind of appreciate them but I don't feel 
compelled to do so. Yeah. I think I think because I know how certain algorithms work and and whatnot, and I sort of know, oh, the, you know, the more sort of I'm giving people about me, the more I'm kind of yeah. seeing the same things that I'm not as interested. In. So I am what you'd probably call a silent scroller. Yeah, a hundred percent. I do know what you mean. I sometimes I like something and then I sort of look at who it's come from. I go, actually, I don't want you to be favoured by <laughs> yeah. the algorithm. So no, I won't do it. Very vindictive Instagram behaviour. Let us know, by the way, what you guys think if uh, removing the like count will make you post more on Instagram. Let us know in the comments where you feel compelled to do so. Are you not asked? Do you think it's in a good move? Do you think it's been quite disingenuous if we just mentioned? So big talking point, obviously, and we'll see how that plays out. We'd like to get your opinions on that. One I saw the other day, Snapchat cameos. Yeah, so, fill me in. I, I so don't know much about a, this one. This is an interesting one. It's, it's, it's quite a cool feature and testament to uh, Evan Spiegel and uh, the Snapchat team who are always coming up with these cool ideas. Don't forget, obviously, they you know invented what we know as stories. But uh, and AR filters and AR filters and so many other great features. But this this particular feature with cameos, this is essentially uh, you take a picture of yourself, just sort of straight like a passport style photo, and it animates your face into kind of bitmoji like video scenes. But it works as a deep fake in the sense that it can manipulate your face and your mouth can move and you look like you're singing. Oh, so, so it, it seen... changes your face and not just like your environment. Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. picturing like the old webcam style things no, where you're like, oh, no, look, no, I'm no. in Paris. <laughs> no, I'm on a roller coaster. No, no this is the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I probably didn't explain that enough. So actually, so, you, you know, you're encouraged to take a straight face like that. And then it will manipulate, you know, use animation. So it's a, it's a sort of Fisher Price deepfake. This, kind this of worries me though because we keep we keep saying it was like deepfakes. It's like deepfakes. Is this giving people who make deepfakes a tool? Well, I think so. But I mean, well, not not that people who make deep deepfakes probably need it. No, I, I they're guess they're not using Snapchat, us, but, are they? Uh, but I thought it was such a just just another kind of you know fun, irreverent kind of content stream that people will yeah. naturally use and get used to. You can choose your own soundtracks and that's a big thing as well for Snapchat, that's bringing music more to the platform. That so. like that's reminiscent of TikTok. I'm like everyone's trying a bit of music stuff. Exactly, now. yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. Music is you know, it's was said several years ago and Instagram sort of, you know, signing all these blanket licensing deals mm. we've, we've gone away from the kind of library music and we're seeing yeah. you know uh the proliferation of rich music on social media and it's done Do you, know, you know wonders what um snapchat are actually focusing on a lot i read a story a few weeks ago and they've partnered with verison verison oh the phone the u.s uh telephone company yeah um so i think like they've got some sort of 5g partnership happening Verizon, which i think yeah. is just like giving um like that fast speed connection to snapchat because they're also um using this partnership to use AR more in like the live broadcasting space, mm, especially with like sports mm. and things like that. Sure, so sure. that, I don't know, it feels like a progression from yeah. sort of cameos if they're looking at like AR environments and not just like face filters. It'd be interesting way. to see what they do with that going forward. That's yeah. going to be a thing for next year as well, I think. I completely agree. We're on to the section now, I believe, of the podcast where we've got some questions that have uh, yeah. come through uh, previously over the week, uh, you know, sort of probably yesterday since we told you guys about this. But do you want to kick us off on this section? Sure, why not? I mean, I think you guys liked this last time, so we're doing it again. Okay, the first one we got 
was what are your thoughts on the apparent shift of the Instagram algorithm to now favor more photo content as opposed to video? Um, so I actually hadn't heard of that before. I didn't no, know I that photos or like some people were experiencing that. So I actually put the question to our strategy director, Mike Blake Crawford, and our head of content, Stefan Evans. And um, they sort of let me know that Instagram itself doesn't favor photos or videos um, like just generally in the feed. The only thing we have concrete evidence on that they do favor al algorithmically is IGTV feed preview videos. They're definitely boosting those. Um, the, the people think that photos get more like space in the feed or are favored, I think, because obviously the more engagement something gets, the higher up they go. And users generally tend to engage more on photos than videos um, because if you're watching a video, that view sort of, that's you consuming it. And then it's very rare that people go back to hit like or hit comment so photos do just tend to get more engagement on instagram but that's just what your users are doing what your um, followers are doing that's not what the platform itself is favoring another thing the platform does favor regardless of whether it's a photo or a video is if users go beyond just liking and commenting and do what is dubbed as meaningful engagement so for instagram that is the share to stories button, that little arrow that sits underneath, and also the save to collection button, which is like the little flag thing on the right-hand side. Um, those are very powerful in getting things boosted. I wonder if people are just posting photos more anyway. You know, if, if videos are just appearing more often in stories, and because yeah. I don't, I look, you know, I look at my feed, and you know, apart from publishers and brands, I don't really see many feed videos from yeah, it's users still quite anymore, uncommon from know, like the average stories. Guy. Yeah, no, I think you're right. If you're going to do a video on Instagram, that's why they've got IGTV. That's why they've got mm, stories. So it probably is mm. just less common. If that's why you're seeing more, but it's very brand specific. I think like, if you yeah. look at Nike's Instagram, it's all video. Like that is just what they want to portray. Like that's obviously what works for them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's just like specific to whoever's doing the posting. So some interesting stuff uh, early in the month, actually. Instagram sort of discussing the Explore tab and how that works. And it was mm. interesting to see that it's based more on pages than it is the actual content you see. How so you there's sort of... So in the Explore tab, if I can remember this right, so you go on there and it's sort of... Uh, how it works that out is it kind of aggregates, a, a you know, a list of like 100 pages that you'd be most likely to engage with and then it benchmarks those up against common words and phrases using mm. some sort of machine learning kind of function that I'm not going to explain. Um, but between the two of those, they kind of, uh, you know, make prediction. And then they, it goes for a bit of a spam filter to see, you know, what is spam and what is relevant to you. And, you know, the bottom line is what they said is explore, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's not that we are showing you content that you are most likely to engage with. It's uh, a collection of pages more so. So yeah, you see sense. common pages appear rather than, I suppose, you know, it's, it's natural. It's, it's why, you know, you see the same kind of accounts popping up rather than, you know, for some reason yeah no definitely of... no that does make sense because whenever i go on it which is quite rare to be honest it's always um like pages and influencers like celebrity yeah. accounts yeah. the things that are sort of would be more universally enjoyed yeah. um and it's probably like because i don't use it that much or engage with the stuff on there but whenever i look it's always like there's a lot of videos in there mm. things like um like tutorial videos and yeah. like those like really quick satisfying things like the little <laughs> hack things bit of asmr i was about to say in my case is mainly asmr You've and got me into that now. videos I'm 
have I? Yeah, oh, I actually love ASMR. Little tap. And now I'm like, the, I want uh, every brand to do it. Did you see the Head and Shoulders advert? Claudia Winkleman just came up with a new Head and Shoulders advert, and it's ASMR. So they've put it on. Um, I saw it on the telly as well, actually, but it's on YouTube. Basically, it's just like her, and they've given her loads of ASMR microphones, and she's like whispering into it, talking about the shampoo, and then she like <laughs> pops open the bottle. It's like click, and then you can hear it like, Shh. and then it's like someone washing their hair like with all the sounds. I was like, this is so great for like any oh, product advertising, like the opportunities for like kind of ASMR advert. I, really I loved it. The science I loved it. it. Right, let's let's uh, move on. So from Instagram to uh, TikTok, somebody's asked, it's, it's uh, TikTok's own strength by strength every day. Uh, would they try to compete against Instagram by adding a uh, photo feature to perform as a um, like stories as, as Instagram and Snapchat have? Mm. And, I, think it's, I think it's an interesting uh, proposition. I I don't think it's very likely. I think like TikTok's whole USP is these um, like short music led, mm. uh, very like collaborative sort of lots you can play with videos. I think that's like its best quality is the fact that when you're making these videos, you've got so many editing tools, you can do so much mm. with it. Mm. And for me, even though like image content can be strong in certain situations, I feel like that would just be stripping TikTok of like all its best qualities. So I don't think that they would do that. It's driven by the feed as well, isn't it? The, for, for me, the appeal of TikTok is that kind of, you know, not unlimited scroll, but once you see a video, it sort of scrolls to the next one. It's that unlimited kind of, yeah. a bit like our Vine was in a way, you know, yeah. just that constant sort of stream of, Although, of sort of video Although, like content. Facebook has, have you seen Facebooks? I don't know if it's still a test or if it's rolled out, but I've experienced it. You know, like if you're watching a Facebook video, say, mm-hmm. it'll flick into watch then and it'll play the next one for you and mm-hmm. that'll just keep going and you get stuck mm-hmm. there. It's been doing that with image posts. Right, okay. So if I clicked on an image, it takes me into this like hole where it'll just, it'll just keep that's going. I can just, a bit like Instagram. So I think that's what this person that is getting at like could you see TikTok doing something like that but honestly like I don't think they could I think it's more likely that um, you'll find Instagram poaching some of TikTok's features than vice versa yeah um, exactly because Instagram are definitely threatened by TikTok and I don't think TikTok are threatened by Instagram no massively I, I'd have to completely agree with that on every front and then so the next step we've got a question here that says looking forward to the next episode and wondering if you would discuss your thoughts as to the future of social in the next decade and what social media will look like in 2030 that's such which, a big question. To which I was like, you know, will it, will it even be called I mean, social media anymore? It get my called, crystal ball out. Could be called something else. Tw- oh, I'm trying to think, how old am I going to be in 20? I'm going to be 37 in It'll 2030. It'll just be media. That's scary. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, we both sort of took this question. We've both got some thoughts on this, haven't we? Um, yeah. I'll let you kick off. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I was trying to have a think. And obviously, it's such a big question. Like, no one knows where 20, it's going to be 10 in years 10 years. When you look about how fast things move in social, something's different every month, never mind like 10 years. That is a huge gap of time. Mm. But I think maybe not in 10 years, but in the near future, the way we are going in my eyes is away from this like feed format where everything is sort of finding its place. Um, So like we will have like groups here. We've got like chat over here. We've got Mm. shopping over here. And instead of advertising just being a bit of a blanket on a feed that gives everyone everything all the time, that's that's reaching breaking point. Like if it hasn't now, it definitely has in 10 years. Um, So instead of like that one big approach, what we'll see is tailored advertising in all of these spaces. So like shopping focused, gaming focused, chat focused, that you know those mm. those kind of mm. things and i know there's a the whole thing where it's like social media is not a silo but yeah maybe it will be one day my my big thing for this you know is, is as well as the fact of will we even call it uh social media anymore which uh, to be honest i don't think we will i think it would sound what like a sort of outdated it? i don't know it's yeah. just like you know it's like 
wonder what, what was TV called before it was television or yeah, something like that. Do you I, know still, what I mean? I feel that like that now. Sort of that like, uh, you know, people say social media. We say social. Like, oh, I don't put really it on social media. Social. And there's something about it that does sound outdated because we just say social now. Yeah, yeah, because it's become more than just media, isn't it? But within that, I do think that we are going to see the uh, big proliferation of long form content really take hold. I think, you know, it's been a long time coming, but I think we are going to be speaking about Facebook and YouTube in terms of Netflix and Hulu and, and you know, all of these platforms. I know we've already got Watch, but I think Facebook will very much more so become a place mm. for long form entertainment that's and content. interesting you know i think i think like like you said will I, I facebook think the, still be a platform or will it just be the company <laughs> well this is it I, that wouldn't this surprise is, me this is interesting but it, it strikes me more and more you know and i could be chatting completing up about a tribe here but uh it strikes me more and more that with uh messaging apps kind of being taken out of these main platforms and sort of merging over here that's kind of opening the doors for the you know facebook's and instagram's and youtube's to become you know these these main entertainment hubs like we have netflix but also as well as that i think sort of predictions that that i've been thinking about is i think that i am seeing a lot more people outside the gaming community um and outside of uh, some influencer communities who are much more open to the idea of paying for premium content and i think they're and you know the, the sort of thought of it was kind of you know not i sort of think before not in a million years for me personally but I can see the benefit of this kind of, the, the, you know, the normalization of these sort of subscription services yeah. where you start subscribing to specific content creators en masse mm. for their content because there's that's, only so long that things can be free for, isn't there? Yeah, you know? no, that's a really interesting point. And I don't think it's out of the question that users would get to the place where they'd be happy to do it. I think mm -hmm. in some spaces they already are. If you look at services like Patreon, mm -hmm, uh, where mm -hmm. creators are already asking for donations from their like yeah. closest fans, they're willing to do that for exclusive content. Um, and even like Facebook's um, been... I don't know if it's been testing it or been offering it for a while, the whole um, premium advertising spots. Mm -hmm. So you'd assume that that would, you know sit on premium content and yeah like we're so used to like reading articles now and being asked to like sign up for subscription Subscribe. packages yeah. like yeah. become a member to like your yeah. favorite publishers i think if people are already getting used to that um people would do it for the platforms as well yeah. and actually if that did happen that would have quite a positive impact on publishers i think yeah because it's not like one's paid for one's free yeah you're yeah. gonna go to the free one it's yeah. like more of a even playing field again yeah and if it gets facebook more money i don't see why they'd say no to doing it and think about it there was there was a time where you know you'd, you'd pay your tv license and that would be a lot you know and now we've, you know you pay for your, your sky your virgin your netflix your, yeah. your disney plus or whatever you know so i think you know, while that's been kind of niche on social, I think we might see that taking more mass adoption. Yeah. I also think uh, two two big trends for me, I think, you know, the rise of uh, kind of snooping charters and political involvement within social. I feel very much like this year yeah. has been a test in bed to see where we're at. You know, yeah. there's a lot of big things going on. There's the Trump impeachment stuff. Yeah. There's, you know, everything that's going to come out from that. And Kay, you know, we're living in a post-Cambridge Analytica yeah. generation. Do you know, I was, I was reading a report literally this morning and it was um, from head of WhatsApp and head of Messenger um, because someone did like an open letter asking if they would create a backdoor in encryption so like mm -hmm. law enforcement could get in. Mm -hmm. So they had to come out and like talk about why encryption is good and they're like keeping with that. Mm. And the way they worded it was, we're starting a chapter of privacy. Mm. And for us, it feels like it's like already happening, like mm. it's been going on for ages. But that just shows like there's still like a long way to go. Yeah. And in their yeah. eyes, they are literally just 
I'm not saying it, but they're just getting started. Well, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I mean, the rules have been written as they go along, aren't they? Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got a question. question. Nadine was saying that Facebook will, you know, purely be an advertising platform, it seems. And, you know, the Facebook inventory, you know, becoming a, a bringing a PPC mechanic into it, obviously pay-per-click, big Google kind of, you know, metric of, mm. of, of marketing and digital marketing, isn't it? That is interesting. I think definitely, like, it's happening already. Like, any social media roles have to have a stronger focus on paid now. Mm. It's just becoming, like, a much bigger slice of the pie. Mm. But I'm not sure if I agree that there'll be one day, like, just a place for ads. I think for advertisers to find that appealing, um, there still has to be someone there on the other end watching those adverts. And the only, yeah. play, the only way you can get those people there is by giving them great content um, yeah. so it would always have to have like something else in there um that's and where I branded think... content sits isn't it that's that's been the yeah. interesting sort of over the years over over forever we've had some form of branded content whether it's advertorials in print magazines or whatever but yeah. on social media that is the kind of you know content creators aside that's the grade a content that you're going for isn't it you know and it's mm. almost like that's the trade-off as an as a brand you can't just be showing ads you've got to be showing your branded content as well yeah i mean i don't know what that would look like in in my eyes that would be not social media that would just be the media mm. um you need that social part i think you still need to if you're not going to find your friends there if you know where, yeah. where's the incentive for you to go on that platform it's an, inter it's an interesting concept definitely you summed it perfectly as well I mean, that was something that was said a few years ago isn't it you know uh, breaking the media away from the social mm. let's not forget the you know the usp of social media is being able to you know debate and comment and interact with you know said adverts or said content yeah. in real time isn't yeah. it? it's that instant feedback it's why yeah it's why i imagine a lot of brands are so cautious because you know if you could you could put out a tv ad wait six months for the asa to get back to you and say you know 100 people didn't <laughs> like it or you know you put your content out on on twitter or facebook and, you know, within 30 seconds, you know, if it was a good move or yeah, not completely. Yeah, both, a, both so. a blessing and a curse. Exactly. But there'd be a lot yeah. more ads on social, aren't there? Yeah, you know, no, 100%. They're going to be freeing up more ad inventory. So I completely agree on that. Yeah, point. no, definitely. I think that's like, again, for me, where it's going to break away from the feed. And mm. like they, they do want to increase their advertising but they're going to have to scale their inventory in order to do that so it's offering just as much product as they're expecting to like place ads yeah. um like in those spaces i think if facebook could get away with being just advertising and just making money it would have already done that like yeah. obviously it wants to do that but yeah you've got to play the game of the user sometimes because they dictate everything now time for some friendly debate oh, what okay. do you think about brands posting on christmas day big one are we gonna have a debate here i'm i am all for it Go because on, because well on christmas day you see it happening time and time again. The first thing everybody does is they go straight to social. And I can imagine... On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, My definitely. mum would have my life. Oh. Like the you, one you, day. What, you have a day off social on Christmas Day. I post on Instagram normally. But oh. yeah, I honestly, I honestly try and stay off it because my family are just like, have a day off. I bet the user numbers go through the roof on Christmas Day. I mean, there's probably a lot of people like, granted, every home situation is different. If you're a Facebook employee, for example, and everyone's asking you about data <laughs> privacy, you're going to be the dinner table going please <laughs> god of, yeah. is this day over yet excuse me Leon. i just uh, need to escape <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think like yeah it's, it's almost like I, I sort of saw that question is you know it's almost like a should brands publish content i don't think there's any harm in it Christmas i just day. i just don't know if there'd be like much point i mean i don't i'm really racking my brains but i can't maybe it's because i don't go on social a lot on actual christmas day but i can't think of any like post activation campaign that's come from a brand on Christmas Day that's been like worthwhile to take the time out and do it on that day mm. because I'd, for me like especially if it's going to be like some sort of results driven campaign 
I don't think people are in the mindset then to receive that. Like we've done our spending, that's not going to kick in again until after the lull period's over and we're in the January sales mindset. Like, ah, yeah, you say that, that you though. That. Really? You say that though. January sales start on Boxing Day now. <laughs> so, so you're prepping Chris, on Christmas Chris, Day. Chris, yo, definitely. Chris, oh Chris, Christmas has become. Put your phone down from, and help your mum with the turkey. From, from what on. I've from what I've seen, Christmas <laughs> has become right. Let's unwrap the presents, see what we're taking back tomorrow in the Boxing Day sales in exchange for gift vouchers. Completely. And I think if a oh brand God, no. were to do such a campaign that would cut through on Christmas Day for all the mince pies and Michael Kors watches and everything else you see on your Instagram feed every year. I think there's room for engagement there. I've, I'd be surprised to see what the user numbers yeah. are on Christmas. I uh, don't think it dips. Yeah, you're right. There is always room for engagement. I think no one really knows what to expect from something like this. So no mm. one really knows what they mm. want until one brand comes along and says, this is what you want and does it really well. Yeah. And I will wait for the day where I'm pleasantly surprised and my mind changed by that one brand. <laughs> Could it be yours to I do think- something innovative and amazing and genius on Christmas Day and then I will sing a different song. Maybe we need to do it. Yeah, exactly. A a full frantic campaign. I mean, ads obviously run across Christmas, don't they? But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Something specific for Christmas Day. We'll have to see what people are doing. We're going to be talking about adverts in a minute, but I really like the KFC adverts at the moment. Mm. The the, um, kind of uh, we've got you covered up until the 25th of December, you know, with the turkeys, like people trying to like chisel through a turkey and all of that. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, I have good, some Good that. luck on the day. Um, yeah, I, don't, like, I yeah. don't really want KFC on Christmas, like the one day, yeah. Although I tell you, that, that is, I'm going slightly off kilt here, but that's a uh, tradition in, what is say Japan? I want to say Japan. It's a big thing KFC. over there. Yeah, KFC oh, on Christmas Day. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be they, they, they people people order them in like you know way in advance. I think really? it's Japan. Don't quote me on that. It is. But read some. Ollie's like, I've, I've got, got, I've got, got a question. Feels like we're talking about KFC. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not Christmas, I'm afraid. But about Instagram, we've got a couple of questions here. Cool. Uh, Alexandros asks, Do they think the politics will be even more involved in social media? Uh, and Jessica Stevens asks, do you think that we'll see more real and more authentic content, especially on platforms like Instagram? So Yes to both. Yeah, the first question, yeah, Instagram and politics, massively. Yeah, every massively, platform, politics, yeah. that is the way it's going. Yeah. Do you know what? There's been, obviously, like this election run, so much more pressure on platforms and parties to mm. uh, it's all to do with like fact checking like that side yeah. of things yeah. I think that's what will have regulation and that's what people will clamp down on yeah. but the actual usage of it um, you know aside from Twitter if we're mainly looking at Facebook Facebook itself is saying you know it still welcomes it it really isn't backing down and Instagram is part of that family yeah. and I think yeah if uh, political parties will always have a need to reach people on, on uh, you know where they're spending their time just like everyone else and if that continues to be Instagram then yeah like we are going to see that increase it has done every Definitely. year hasn't it and to, well to add some context to, to that as well I mean this has really been in my memory I, I could be wrong the first major year where Facebook and YouTube and all the rest of it actually come out mainly Facebook have said we won't fact check political ads so like not, everyone's you, had a voice on it Snapchat actually exactly. um, does fact check they, they allow right, and they okay. do yeah because yeah. I remember someone asked us last time so yeah no they do I mean not to not to make assumptions <laughs> about any political party but if you are ex-political party and you hear this well any political party in their right mind is probably going to think well okay we can bend the truth a bit and not be you know brought to book by Ofcom or sort of other standards yeah. broadcasters around then yeah. of course you're going to use it to your advantage. I found it interesting like it's maybe like it seems such a bold policy because people who don't 
know about it and then hear Facebook saying, oh, we're not going to fact check. That can be quite a shocking thing to hear. But actually, if you look into it, like you said, things like the ASA mm. or Ofcom, they mm. actually don't include political stuff. Like mm. they said, if a brand comes out and like says something to be untrue, it'll get pulled. Mm. But that, for some reason, that doesn't apply to politics and it never has. I don't know if it always will be the case, but... I wonder if, you know, the whole sort of fact-checking thing, I wonder if it's a matter of scale. I wonder if, I, I genuinely wonder now if Facebook went out and said, we're not fact-checking uh, political ads because, you know, we've not got the capacity, we've not got the scale to actually do this. It must be an impossible task. We've got another question. It, well, Nadine completely agrees there. Says Facebook will never stop taking money from politics. No. Yeah, they make not. a lot of money from it and it's a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship to the party and the platform. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And not to go too far back on ourselves here, but on the whole, like, Christmas advertising point, Amy says she thinks it depends on which brand you are because she used to work at uh, Grandsnet, a site for women over 50, and posts from them were welcomed as there was a whole campaign around loneliness for retired single women. So our posts offered community and generated conversation for those who might be alone on Christmas Day. So the fact that it was on Christmas perfectly suited mm. their brand. Yeah, 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 see, there we go, yeah. Things that are targeted and niche and have that justification. Love to see it. I love through, to yeah. see it. That's great. Yeah. What was the second one all about Instagram? Uh, After the politics one. Uh, more more real. Will we see more, more real, real and more authentic, more authentic content, content on Instagram? Instagram. Yes. You'd um, hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think we already <laughs> are. All the sort of, you You're know, following yeah. the wrong people. <laughs> sort of, Everyone, can we just, just group together next sorry. year and change I'm, Theo's I'm, mind want, on social uh, yeah. and show him just, some good content? I want good more than just Cristiano Ronaldo videos and ASMR, please. Yeah, no, I think I think we already are. Um, there's been a massive trend in influencers over the last like six months, probably more, yeah. um, of them sort of calling out themselves and the, the culture that made them famous. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're posting this like really polished holiday shot uh, or of you like, you know, in some lovely hotel somewhere, the caption will prove the exact opposite and it'll mm. say, hey, I'm actually doing this right now. And, you know, it's... Um, this that is not whole sustainable, hashtag, is it? It's Instagram not... versus reality, yeah. that's a whole movement. So, yeah, I think people... You're right, it's, it's not, not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not a lie that you can keep... It's a lie that you can only keep up for so long, isn't mm -hmm. it, before... And that's, you know, this, this, this authenticity where this has coincided with a, you know, massive shift in advertising all over the place anyway. You know what I mean? People are... People are not stupid. Show, you know, call a spade a spade. Show us what it really is. Yeah, and that's I think it's mad that I mean. the only reason, like, I agree with authenticity, right, as a concept mm -hmm, and by mm -hmm. definition, but the only reason it bugs me is because it's maddening to me that this is, um, like, a movement. It's something yeah. that's had to be changed. It maddens me that, like, brands, politicians, creators, everyone has, you know, there was an environment created for them to yeah. be inauthentic yeah. in the first place but you're right the only sustainable way to be on social or to be as a brand yeah. or to be a creator yeah. the only sustainable way to behave is to be yourself yeah. that is the only thing that's going to remain unchanged yeah. um, if you're just following trends again if you view authenticity as a trend yeah. um, you know it's going to be a passing fad for you and you know it, it won't last but mm -hmm. yeah if everyone's true to themselves and it's just like yeah just be nice and normal exactly. and honest and you'll be fine it makes more interesting content and you know real stories of yeah, course yeah exactly um, the next thing we've got here is somebody asked about the rundown of uh, the the biggest uh, platforms yeah. and uh, you know 
Both successful and where, and where we are. I don't know how you want to. Yeah, someone do said this. Um, just a final rundown of which platforms are winning globally would be really interesting in terms of active users and demographics. That would be great. She also mentioned ad spend, but I don't actually know about that. Um, maybe we can get Roxanne or something on board to answer it in the comments. <laughs> like, help us. We're not we're not paid experts, but yeah. Now I have got a list here. So in terms of like audience size, obviously it starts off at Facebook and then it goes to WhatsApp, Messenger, WeChat, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit. Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. But that's just in like user base, right? So I wouldn't rank mm. that at all in terms of who's winning. Um, I think you have to look at like the rate of growth for some of those apps. So things like TikTok and actually WeChat is growing really, really quickly. Growth, yeah. um, some of them are just the size they are because of age, hence Facebook. Um, and also it depends on... Um, you know, like something can win as a platform, as an mm. app. Um, but I guess for your activity on that app, you need to be looking at where uh, your users are spending their time. So places yeah. like Reddit can be yeah. really, really valuable for a specific audience. Same with Snapchat, same with Twitter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're all having their own little resurgences in different ways. They all have their their own points of strength. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, like, skeptical of these big old lists where it just puts them in order of size and demographic. Mm. Um, if you do want a bit of insight on demographics, I have pulled some stats here as well. So the largest chunk of uh, Facebook users are between the ages of 18 and 49. Um, for Instagram, you can understand that dips a bit lower. Their largest chunk sits in ages between 13 and 29. Uh, for Twitter, their largest chunk is 18 to 29 year olds and Snapchat between 13 years and 29 years again. Um, so yeah, Facebook for Facebook actually has the widest age range. I was going to say that there. 18 to 49 is a very niche demographic, isn't it? There's yeah, there must only be a few people in that. I mean, yeah, but it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Ow, Facebook, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, no, it says like uh, 81% of 18 to 29 year olds are on Facebook and 78% of 30 to 49 year olds are right, on Facebook. But right. they're quite big portions for Facebook. It's it's quite big chunks big um, across the board. They actually have a really, really broad age range. Mm. Um, it's just for the other platforms, you'd expect them to be. It, they do sit where you'd expect, yeah. On to our favorite, well, well, I say favorite, it's sort of inaugural, it's the first time I've done it, but our Social Minds Christmas Crackers. I've uh, just decided to call it on the spot there. So original uh, for two copywriters. Uh, no, I've not, unfortunately, although I will be feasting on many crackers over Christmas as well as pulling them. Feasting on some content. Exactly. So let's talk about, well, Christmas adverts, best and worst and why. I think everybody wants to know, especially from sort of, you know, among marketers and, and you know, people who work in the creative industry. And outside of that, what people thought of this year's uh, Christmas adverts. And yeah, I actually really like the analysis analyses of what, yeah. every year, but just because of the why that people give, because yeah. everyone always yeah. disagrees. And I, it's very interesting to know um, what people value yeah. and why. And it's, yeah. it's, and it's become, it has become a genre in itself, as not yeah, it? Yeah, people Christmas look forward to it like months event. in advance. It's like the Blackpool Illuminations or the Silver Jubilee. I'm not being racist. I'm, I'm from a, Yorkshire. I'm allowed to say a, that. <laughs> regionist. <laughs> I was thinking of other uh, major, major events, but yeah, no, all I could get was Blackpool and the Silver Jubilee. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, do you know what I, Jubilee since. I want people to like view Christmas ads, like the same way we'll look at like the work that's been put forward for Cannes in one year yeah. and you'll be able to read like a trend from it and sort of predict, you know, where the industry is going to move after that. Mm -hmm. um, so I wish, I wish Christmas ads like gave us the same thing where it's like, okay, everyone's doing this this year. So maybe that's like these big brands sort yeah. of taking leadership and 
and leading us into the next year. However, I'm a bit too optimistic. It never seems to go that way. Mm. Um, so Mike, again, Mike Blake Crawford, our strategy director, came up with a formula for making a successful Christmas ad. And like, he's absolutely on the ball again. Uh, so basically you take like one cute character, so like a kid or an animal or an old person, add one sad song it's usually a cover of a really famous song in sort of like acapella or acoustic mm, uh, mm. and then uh bring them together with a wholesome family friendly message mm. and then you've got your christmas ad and it's been so long since well i can't remember the last time i saw a christmas ad that it didn't follow that layout ah well 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 this is where on, this is where wrong. i have to disagree with both you and mike on this situation um because even you've put in the Ikea, Ikea. Silence the Critics <laughs> advert, which okay, I fair. think was such a success because it did the complete opposite of yeah. that. It didn't do a John Lewis. It got DWE, you know, Grime MC, um, you know, a lot of like, obviously, you know, credibility as, as, as sort of like an artist, you know, to go with Ikea, this, you know, massive furniture shop that everybody knows to create what was, I think, you know, the Christmas bit of genius of this year. Yeah, no, I did. The silence, the critics had it. It was fantastic. Who was it? DWE. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's them, like, doing, I mean, Ikea's always bloody brilliant, aren't they? they they're they just tapping into contemporary yeah. culture and obviously, like, the UK's grime scene. And, um, I mean, well, yeah, that's it, grime like, Ikea. Who, who sat in that? I'd love to be know the person who sat in that creative and said, right, here's what we're going to do, you know, and plan that out because, yeah. you know, they've done it in such a... And we, you know, this was something we spoke about on the podcast ages ago, something I'm very passionate about, this uh, sort of brand appropriation of sort of like, okay, right, you know, we'll... We'll do this and we'll get uh, Stormzy doing this and, you know, mm -hmm. and he'll be promoting this and, and whatnot, you know. And it's sort of like that kind of you, you see a lot of brands trying to riff off culture a little bit. Yeah. But I, you know, I think a lot of people within, you know, both spaces kind of said, look, they've, you know, this is a clear example of a brand giving an artist full artistic control. Yeah making it fit to create something that just, you know, it took everybody, I think, by surprise this year. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's like any piece of content. The really great things are the unexpected things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that don't follow the traditional formula. Mm. And yeah, like some pe some brands in particular, you know, they're scared of voices like that saying, yeah. oh, we don't want to appropriate any culture. Um, and it is just like, it's that simple of having a case of like having that diversity in the room. Someone's obviously advised very smartly, you know, yeah. they haven't just yeah. winged it because it, it's not out of touch. Yeah. Like it is good and they've done that sort of high risk high reward strategy where you know they're not scared of of the backlash and giving the artist control exactly get, you know especially an artist like dwe you know he's not going to put his name to you know any old crap or you know like many artists with a lot of credibility are you know what i mean but you know if, I, I think what probably happened is ikea said well we've got this vision we want you to spare it in this way and then you get that perfect sort of marriage of kind of brand and artist. And, yeah. um, but one one advert that was great this year, another one that, that sort of took everybody by surprise and did follow the uh, format that you were mm. talking about, albeit the cute character was a real person, a little boy, was uh, Hafford Hardware, I believe, yeah. in, uh, in Wales? Yeah. I want to say, yeah. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of the town. But yeah, it's a tiny, like, hardware shop in Wales. And they made this advert, and it cost them just £100. And that £100 just went to the sound engineer to do, like, the music. That's Everything crazy. else they filmed themselves. And, like, it is quite a traditional Christmassy advert. It's very wholesome. It's got, like, a cute character in it. Um, the actual character is a little boy. Um and basically, yeah, he shop, just he? he just goes to work in the shop all day. He's like sweeping up, and uh, at the end, he like he turns into like the actual man that he is, and it's just be a kid this Christmas. Um, but the actual like secret source to that campaign is the fact that um, that 
man that you see at the end, mm. he runs the shop. Mm. The um, the granddad that you see is actually the nephew of the original founder of the company. And the little boy is like uh, the guy's son. Oh, so it's wow. like anyone in that community will know that that is that family who runs yeah. that shop. Yeah. Um, and it is just like without even trying to be authentic. Yeah. Um, yeah and it's the fact that they did that on such a small budget and did something that was so true to their brand, that like core um, like ethos, their values, which is being like small family run, hardworking business. I read a really interesting piece on The Guardian, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> there was a comparison between that and this year's John Lewis advert, which is again, dividing people as it does every year. And, you know, I watched this year's John Lewis advert and I thought, oh, do you know what? That gave me the warm and fuzzies. I liked it. Harmless. Mm, um, you know, didn't mm. offend me in any which way. Mm. Just let them do it. And then I read this comparison, um, which basically pointed out like quite rightly that the John Lewis ad every year gets like further and further away from its core brand, from its origins, like yeah. from its heritage. Yeah. It's gone too far into the formula. Yeah. It's trying too hard to be a commercialized Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think like if we look at John Lewis, like their sales, you know, they, they sort of halved this year and there's no, really? wow. I've got an exact quote, so I don't uh, bastardize the numbers. Um, this year, the company unveiled its first ever half year loss. Um, that's where I got the word half from. <laughs> and it isn't like these things have a habit of improving. Uh, maybe next year it can use its Christmas ad to remind people what the shop was and what it meant to people. Mm. And if it can connect even half as well as half at hardware, it'll be a winner. Especially it if it only John costs Lewis-y, a did it? A kind of medieval I mean, for the last few years. dragon and a Christmas pudding. Yeah. Compared to the boxer advert and like the you know the Moz the Monster where it's sort I didn't of like, like Moz the Monster no stuff. it's like you, you see the monster thing and you see the dragon thing and you're like that's going to come out as a cuddly mm. toy mm. in the John Lewis stores and that's why you've done it but the way this writer put it was like okay we have this John Lewis advert where this little dragon comes along ruins a meal and then holds a pudding at the end I was yeah. like wow they've like really trivialised it like that I, I generally thought I don't know if anybody else watched it but when he was sort of like in the kitchen and stuff I thought it was going to be that he was going to get an apprenticeship or something I thought <laughs> They've given him a they've given him a job <laughs> in the kitchen. It's all right. You know, yeah. it's not just one Christmas pudding. We need you on Christmas. So you can work New Year's Eve. Oh my god. If John Lewis like supported like apprenticeships. You know I mean? But you're right, like I look at the ad and I'm just like, I'm no better informed about what John uh, Lewis stands uh, for as a brand. Yeah, yeah. John the, the the thing I've got beef with now is John Lewis can only ever now, it seems, do a John Lewis. Yeah. And I feel like they tried to dip their toe out a bit with the Elton John last year and, you know, it they took a break to away from that cute character. John Lewis. That's what, uh, that could be the new John Lewis, the anti-John Lewis. The anti-John Lewis. Yeah, like just do the opposite of what someone's expecting from you and Martin just liven Lewis. things up a bit. And then Iceland is our sort of, well, actually, before we talk about Iceland, Kevin the Carrot. So what I thought, he's he's sort of, you know, again, Kevin the Carrot, he's not going anywhere, is he? He's the Aldi, Aldi, Kevin the, uh, the Aldi, Aldi's Kevin Carrot. the Carrot, yeah. Massive. There's, there's uh, I, don't, I don't know the exact, I don't even know if there are numbers, but there's, you know, they sort of, uh, I think there was a scene and I saw a tweet went viral where Aldi tweeted John Lewis and it was like the uh, scene in the advert where, He's like holding the carrot up, or there's a carrot that appears in it, and it was like, uh, can can the uh, owner of John Lewis please contact Kevin the Carrot immediately <laughs> and all of this? And they've done their whole leafy blinders thing. Now I think that is sort of like you know that that will always go down as a bit of marketing 
folklore yeah. genius the whole Kevin the Carrot campaign. Yeah, no, I do, I do enjoy the carrots. I haven't actually seen Aldi's full Christmas advert this year. Oh, it's very good. It's very good. Leafy blinders. And, Leafy blinders. And, and is that what it was? Going on. Yeah, it's. Uh, it sounds. Love a good pun. Yeah. You know what I mean? It sounds very interesting. I will have to watch that. F- from a cracker to a corker, I suppose you could say the Iceland, the, the magic of frozen. Yeah. Um, did not, did not like that one. Land. Was not a fan, honestly, because first of all, it's so short. Yeah. And uh, so I just went to watch Frozen 2. And if you've seen the film, it'll make sense. There's a scene um, in Frozen 2 where all the characters are playing charades. So the Iceland's advert starts off like that. All the characters are playing charades. Mm. And it's like, okay, act out your favorite thing about Christmas. And they're doing like a few different things. And then Elsa gets up and does her bit. And she's like, do you want to know what my favorite thing is? <sighs> gets all the magic. And then she makes like a dinner table. And she's like, it's the special meal we all share together. The end. <sighs> Like the it's magic not an orangutan, of, is it? Oh, I honestly think they've just found the most loose link ever. They're like, yeah, Frozen 2 is coming out. Yeah. Oh, it's called Frozen. Oh, we do Frozen food. <laughs> I Can I just say something to, to Iceland? No one's looking forward to Frozen food at Christmas. Hey, I've, I've got some frozen Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay would have something to say in the, about that. In the, in the, in the freezer? Oh, to, I just uh, think it's such a loose link. I'm like, there's so much more that they could have done. And it's disappointing because Iceland's social media activity is amazing. Yeah, they yeah. absolutely nail it every time their quips and their tone of voice is excellent um so yeah to see this like advert which is like their one chance to do something mm. big budget scale for a year and you know after last year they sort of won last didn't year didn't they the what stuff, a follow-up i mean yeah. were they busy with other things what's going on not we'll, fan. we'll we'd like to know what you thought of this year's big christmas yeah. uh adverts Best as well you know, basically like films Link to now, YouTube videos you know, i want to watch them be, all. Uh, let us know what you thought um Let's, well, we're wrapping, wrapping like wrapping paper will soon be being unwrapped with our 2020 predictions for next year. Oh, and before we do that, we've got a question. Uh, yeah, a couple of questions whilst we're about to move on. Um, so Alexandros wrote in a couple of questions here. One saying, in terms of networks, will LinkedIn continue to have the same organic reach and growth as the last two years, or will it slow down like Facebook? <sighs> It's definitely going to slow down like Facebook. When is the is question? Already? When is the question? Or is it still a free-for-all of engagement? I think and it's organic still giving. Kind of... I think it's still giving away a lot more than other platforms are, especially. Uh, yeah, I can't definitely. go viral on LinkedIn no matter how hard it's I try. Because you never use it, Theo. <laughs> I do. I, do. It's, if I you... tell stories. I've you know. <laughs> if you were dedicated letters, to your I... personal brand and you posted a video every oh. single day for the next few months, you would pick up traction. We all know my personal brand sells itself. Come on. <laughs> Does anyone here have Theo on LinkedIn? Go and go and look. It is, Seriously, a, it is an absolute. Yeah, it is a party. It's going a Christmas turkey. That's what it is. Um, no, yeah, hundred percent. I think LinkedIn is giving away the more engagement than any other platform, and yes, it will slow. Um, do we think it'll happen next year? Potentially. Potentially, it depends if they've gotten what they wanted to get out of video yeah. in that time. So if they have enough people, like um, they've been putting a lot of energy into giving like uh, top LinkedIn voices yeah. special treatment, special rewards, a bit like uh, like an influencer initiative almost. Yeah. Um, and I think they want those people to like pioneer features like video. And once it's gotten that sort of mass adoption level, I don't know what their targets are. Um, that's when it'll slow things down. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's going to happen. Like no platform is that much of a free for all for that long. Otherwise, you know, it's not yeah, sustainable. Again, it's not model. sustainable. Yeah. You're not going to make any money, are you? I, I, I liken it to like uh, with, with Facebook. It's like free samples in a supermarket, isn't it? You're not going to 
buy the new product on the shelf straight away. But if you get a bit of a taste for it and you get a bit of a sample and, you know, it's quite low, when it eventually does hike the price, you know, you're, you're going to go for it. And that's the same yeah. with organic engagement on Facebook, wasn't it? It was yeah. like, right, let everybody have loads and loads of this good thing for free. Now, all right, you still want that? Right, it's going to cost you this. Yeah. And maybe LinkedIn isn't quite at that level yet, but that is, you know, it's, it's a foregone it's conclusion that it will be. Yeah. yeah. The other question, uh, completely different, was, um, and for the sports industry, will we see any new trends related with social media? Well, I hope something comes out of this Snapchat thing. Mm, if they, they're yeah. putting more into like broadcasting and AR, because shock i'm not um the biggest clued up person on like sports <laughs> marketing but i can imagine for any sort of environment like that that sort of live very experience driven sector um that something like ar could play a massive part in that and there's lots of scope for potential there but yeah. i'll hand you on to someone more experienced well, i mean i mean sport <laughs> is such an interesting one i think you know over the past few years it's been happening i mean you only need to look at uh not necessarily social media but amazon streaming more and more premier league games this year it was you know crazy and it was sort of different and you know I'd like to see the viewing numbers for that and what those trends will be but yeah, I think that's esports incredible that's growing as well massively. obviously yeah but I think as well just the kind of you know only maybe just focusing on well across all sports it, it's these you know athletes becoming content creators in their own rights becoming yeah. influencers in their own rights there was a uh, a story which I found quite interesting years ago which anybody who follows football will know about this. So it might have been in the summer, actually. I think um, Man United were trying to sign, I think it might, it wasn't Maratta. It was, can't remember his name, a Juventus player. And he actually came with, in, in South America, there's like a sort of rights clause where to buy the player, you've got, a, it was the Barler, sorry. To buy the player, you've got to buy their like rights. If you're not, they've got like their own image rights. Yeah. So the sort of deal broke down and it was an odd thing. But you know, I could expect a similar thing happening on social media because, like I say, you know, these athletes have become more than athletes. They've become content creators, influencers in their own right. I do like with that. social media clout. So, you know, at, every, at the moment, brands are tying, uh, you know, working with athletes as they've always done in yeah. the social media sphere. I want to see what the future of that yeah. becomes. I have to say, for someone who doesn't really like football except when the World Cup's on and England's about to yeah, bring it home. Yeah. I do actually really enjoy footballers' activity on Twitter because the ones who are like, I, I don't even think they've been like advised to do it. It's when yeah. it comes naturally and they are just like normal people who want to use social to like talk yeah. to their fans. Um, the ones who do that really well, I think I would like to see more of that. I think they're one of those industries as well. Sport is definitely ahead of the the game as you know, as far such as sectors have been. Yeah, such a yeah, exactly. <laughs> pun, pun not intended in that situation. They, they are so ahead of the game with everything they do. And I think just keep an eye on sort of rights deals because, you know, over the past year, Facebook, Twitter, all of the main platforms have been in more and more instances mm. buying up rights. Has that been a concern because it's getting a bit like more splintered? Um, I, it's, I think it's a funny one with sport because obviously there are so many, you know, within each sport, you've got different competitions, different kind of games and stuff. So the Premier League, it's almost a case that obviously Sky can have a piece of the pie. Amazon can have a piece of the pie. These people can have a piece of the pie. Yeah. I think, uh, is it splintered? I think it's more a case of, um, you know, are young people watching as much, uh, you know, digital traditional TV? Is it more likely that we're going to captive, you know, get this audience more mm. on Amazon for prime users and stuff. Yeah. And, um, but I yeah. guess it's a commodity, isn't it? You know, more like you... targeting because sport is quite like universally loved, but I guess you're going to still like any other thing, want to get them yeah. by age group where they are. Yeah. 
But again, probably one for our, our sport guys to answer. So we'll make sure that yeah, they Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll tag in people in the yeah, comments exactly. who can answer the specific things like that much more articulately than we can. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll... Anything else? That's no? so right. Back onto our 2020 predictions yes. for the year ahead. I can't believe we're at the start of a new decade. Down. That's absolutely I'm mad, getting an existential it? crisis. Like, like the 20s. What will the 20s bring? More Gatsby, the, I hope. The, the swinging 20s, the yeah, the, the, the classy, dancers. sophisticated time. So we've made a few predictions. I'll, I'll let you kick off. You've made up the first few, I believe. Yeah, so one of my, um, well, it's it's sort of a given, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, pr my first prediction is the fact that with integrated messaging that's going to join us next year, we're going to see a lot more uh, focus on payments in those spaces. So things like Facebook payments and WhatsApp payments, they've already been pushing quite a bit. But obviously when they all merge uh, and they uh, manage to get end-to-end -end encryption on all of them, I think that's going to be the perfect space and the perfect setup for something like Libra mm. um, for them to really encourage payments in those private messaging spaces. So we're going to see a lot more like commerce tools um, come to play there uh, instead of just like, in the feed it's going to be a big focus for chats I think they're not just going to be a place for talking anymore it's going to be a buy and sell situation mm. a bit like um, a grander rollout let's say of WhatsApp for business yeah. uh, which yeah. is encouraging small businesses to talk to their customers one on one in a place where they can like buy and sell and do transactions yeah. that's just going to be on a bit of a wider scale and between like all kinds of different users and businesses there's a Libra project as well on the, on the subject of payments isn't there yeah. so Libra and Calibra obviously that uh Took a bit of a hit, I suppose you could say, with the likes of MasterCard, Visa, and eBay sort of dropping out the project. It's a not like they're uh, nobodies, isn't it? But um, are you still are you still convinced? I'm still that it's optimistic. I'm still optimistic that it's going to launch. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's uh, again. I think. I think it's going to happen. I think Libra is going to launch. I think it is going to maybe have more kind of affiliation with blockchain communities mm -hmm. and how Bitcoin is spent and, and sort of over there rather than a mainstream kind of payment service for, you know, the, the layman. I think it's more likely that, like you say, we will be uploading our payment details to Instagram and WhatsApp so we can spend money there yeah. before using this, you know, cryptocurrency virtual coin. But I think, make no bones about it, I think Libra is going to, you know, it's gonna, something's going to happen. Do you know what? I think if it were any other time, I would agree with you and say Facebook always just does what it wants to do, but this is the one time they've promised governments that they won't launch it until mm. they have permission from everyone. Mm. And I think as, as soon as you, like, rely on someone else, you, they're just waiting for them to say yes before they can move, and it's going to, like, naturally slow them down quite a lot. Um, so I am, I am sceptical whether it will launch, and I think if and when it does launch it won't be the game-changing thing that they promised because no. everyone's pulled out. Yeah, yeah when they tried to launch a cryptocurrency in the past. I always want to say Facecoin, but I don't think it was called <laughs> it's that. The word I, think, I think it has a chance of flopping again if they don't have that support because how can it be a game-changer if all the existing players are still going to be like massive competitors? Um, like the only way that Facebook's been able to dominate anything is by acquiring, not beating, really. And if they can't mm. acquire people along the way, I think they're going to struggle. But I've I've been proved wrong. You've before. been proved wrong before. I, I think maybe I think maybe though. in Western worlds it, it it'd be interesting to see. But I think definitely in developing markets yeah. and and, yeah, and sort it. of other territories, I think there's you know a big sort of demand for a kind of 
regulated payment system that everybody that puts everybody on a sort of same scale. Um, yeah, okay. I was, I was strictly talking about the West. I think it would be. I think it's going to launch in the West as well. I think it's, it's going to go launch in the West. West. I'm like, but will it do? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> right. So moving moving swiftly on to Twitter, resurgence among brands and advertisers. Definitely. Yes. yes. People are already saying it. Hannah's saying it. I'm saying it. Steve's <laughs> saying it. Twitter's the Twitter's going to be the I'm coughing it. I just feel like it's been something brewing for ages, mm. and as Facebook gets more and more hostile, more and more limitations on its platform, Twitter has been listening to its audience and is giving everyone what Facebook can't yeah. at the moment. And like Hannah said, it's stopped being um, a horrible trolley place for the most part people are starting to use it in a positive sense again it's a place for the funnies once more and brands are actually starting to use it going beyond you know 280 characters and are really stretching the most out yeah. of its features and uh yeah just being really creative with it and i think the more that that happens obviously the more it's going to grow um yeah i think it's an absolute dark horse an absolute underdog and i think especially when a lot of other platforms have um such high saturation and are really competitive. Twitter is maybe a space where you can stand the chance of standing out more because organic reach is not dead on that platform. Far from, yeah, absolutely far from. Rye humor like Twitter do, do they? Like you you know, have the... to, you have to earn it, but like it's there for the people who do it. Completely agree. I, I am, you know, so interested in Twitter at the moment and all the things going on there because you know they've, they've generally my, my memories of Twitter working on social media has always been that you know they, they bar the two hundred eight character limit they. Would release a lot of features that nobody really cared about nor would really affect anybody yeah. and i feel like the last few have definitely you know gone on to it used to be like oh yeah we've launched this I'm like, oh great i'll probably never use that in my life yeah. you know what I mean? but now that these there are futures now that have really sort of upped the level of the platform up the game up the usability up the kind of way that we use it and change the way we use it beyond just sending tweets it's yeah, the, no, definitely. the moments and stuff like that and yeah i mean um yeah it was like hannah anderson was saying when she was on the podcast uh, a few episodes back that Twitter didn't listen to its audience for such a long time, and now it is. Mm -hmm. And I think while that's happening, while f uh, Twitter's getting smarter, Facebook is messing up, and yeah. uh, people are getting like a little bit more sick of that. And I think Facebook's loss has been Twitter's gain in this sense. You only need to ask yourself, don't you, uh, <laughs> where is the first place that people go when Facebook and Instagram are down? I know, and I always Twitter. say, Twitter, <laughs> remember your real friends. I was going to say Reddit. No, 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 joking, I'm joking. Twitter, of course. And then, right, so another, well, another one for me, but I think we've covered this a bit as well, the, the first signs of uh, real political regulation. I think there will be some lessons to be learned from the past several years as we take a retrospective look. Mm. Um, it's just a case of, it's, it's like, it's like that old saying, is it who polices the police in a way? It's kind of like, you know, the the... Uh, essentially, democracies are just as powerful as Facebook and Instagram. Now, there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any kind of, you know, they, they seem very much button heads in a way. Yeah. Um, they've got to come to some compromise soon, though, surely. About okay. the, yeah, I, th I think about some sort of, some, some form of regulation, some sort of stupid charter, some sort of bill that gets passed. Yeah, I mean, to that, be honest, I, I thought know. it wouldn't be unlikely that that would happen this year. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I'm sort of realising there's a lot, to this system, it's a very complex yeah. issue, and maybe it's going to be one of those things that takes a bit more time. Like I think moves will be made, but I'm not sure we'll find a resolution in 2020. Everybody, I kind of hope we do. Everybody seems to but. say, "Okay, you want regulation? What does regulation look like?" And I think that's been the problem for for many years. Yeah, is that you know, 
it's uh, it's 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 a, it's a short while before everybody starts calling nanny state, isn't it? But at the same time, there's you know, amid all the calls to break up the platforms, there's there's yeah. going to be. I don't think this kind of push and pull can you know this tug of war can keep you know going what? on between the I two. I think when is the American election? The twenty twenty one. Yeah, I, don't, I always forget which month it's in, but I think whoever wins that um, will affect that. Mm, we will see. We will see. Uh, I, I, Snapchat again. I've, I've put Snapchat down. Just continuing to be a formidable force because it, it, it is funny, isn't it? We always talk about uh, Snapchat and it's doing all these things, it's making all these moves and all of this. Um, but it's definitely more seems to be the publishers more than the advertising the year. But again, it's another one like will Snapchat have its moment in the sun like Twitter's had? You know. I mean, yeah, uh, I think if it's not if it's not dead already, I don't think it's going to die. It's been it nearly died. Yeah. Um, but Some but you know, she is while, still yeah. out there. She's still doing bits, and yeah. I think yeah, a bit like Twitter, dark horse, absolute underdog, not to be underestimated. I think if you're looking for that sort of mass broadcasting, really easy advertising, Facebook is always there. Yeah. Uh, in my eyes, that can be a bit boring depending on your brand and depending on your audience. I think Snapchat has a lot more um, like niche opportunities for yeah. like certain types of people you can do very specific exciting things and for me those are always the kind of brand activations that pique my interest outside of your like standard BAU so it doesn't it? it seems to be a place for one-off activations and we've done this and we sort of and then we did it on snapchat and yeah. you know rallying the youth and you've got to think i suppose when you know when the current uh gen x uh, not gen x uh, gen z and you know gen a after that um, after, after they come, you know, will they be using Snapchat into their 20s? Will we become, you know, the sort of dinosaurs on Instagram? Yeah. Will Snapchat become Theo, the kind of de facto I, fact, I already feel like a dinosaur. I'm not <laughs> even kidding. I'm only 25. Twice in the last two weeks, I've met a new person and they've said, what's your Snapchat? Oh. And I've gone, oh my God. I, don't, I, was like, I was like, I don't really use it. I was like, <laughs> Instagram? And I felt like such a grandma. I'm like, they're still using it. I right. know it's big in America. Course, I think it's growing course. here again. It's yeah. it's regrowing. It's well, happening. See, I some Snapchat though. It's and I'm like, sometimes we observe from above and sometimes you just need to put your ear to the ground. Yeah. And I bet yeah. you, if you ask a room full of different age people, ask a room full of like very young people, um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get insight into that. Yeah. And I think it's not to be ignored. If you're targeting teenagers, they are using Snapchat, like yeah. they are. It's um, a cool platform. It is yeah. a cool platform. It's cool, cool products. And it's and cool making features. loads of money, as we've talked about. So I think that they're going to be around. Uh, and I agree with that one yeah. from EO. It's a resilient um, force. I have one that's kind of not mine. I stole it from Roxanne Parker, who's our paid social director. Shout out to Rox. Um, but I noticed that she put a comment in our, I think it was um, in our internal work group, um, not actually in the social minds group. I can get her to um, cover it in more detail. But basically she said that she thinks um, because Facebook or the family of Facebook is going to have to scale their inventory to meet like an increase in uh, demand from advertisers, which I think the stat was like 43% year on year growth. Um, so this by inventory, they mean like, this is what I meant by like different spaces before. Mm. So like things... Um, like Facebook Marketplace, they have specific ads for that. And it's like groups, they have their own adverts. Mm, like the stories mm. has these adverts, like all, all these products, they come with the uh, opportunity for different types of adverts. So Roxanne said that on Instagram, um, to like keep up with this, there's going to be 
a dedicated like shopping space um, and I'll read it out otherwise I'll get it wrong from her um, but she said this time next year I foresee the standalone shoppable section for Instagram being a thing powered predominantly by influencers quality in feed space then will be freed up for Instagram um, so we'll start to see less adverts in the feed because they'll be like more tailored mm-hmm. um, and it'll be less saturated less spammy um, increased affiliate opportunities for influencers and more valuable in market section for brands to be posting in um, and I think that makes a lot of sense so it's not fine, no, but I, think, uh, it, I yeah, think it's true completely agree you know we, we always talk about social commerce but will 2020 be the year that we, you know it really really sort of you know the dam breaks and we see um, you know these influencer led yeah. products like we've seen with the, you know really IG shopping and, and so on and so forth yeah. so. I think it's a really interesting concept especially with the whole payments thing I think it's just all going to start to like come together there's a lot of projects I think in in terms of all of the apps mm. um, mm. that are just getting started and for now you can sort of read where they're going with things mm. but I honestly feel like if it's not 2020 it's going to be the year after that but it's it's always moving and things are just really starting to find their place um, in an industry that for us mm. feels like mm. um, um, feels like like I don't know like the standard thing because we work in it but yeah. it is still yeah. really new it has been quite new yeah. and I think it is just finally like calming down and finding its place in terms of absolutely everything so very exciting to watch it all unfold I think next year is going to be big massively I'm excited and there we have it here we go. That, that, we, we have, well, it's uh, that's we're wrapped it's, for we're wrapped. 2019. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Honestly, you can, everybody can stop thinking about Christmas now. Yeah, now that you've gotten your full we'll social rundown, we are I'm very much looking forward yeah. to Christmas this year. Hope everybody else is yeah. as well. Also, whatever, um, however you I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened to Social Minds this year yeah. because we've absolutely loved every minute of it. Yeah. Uh, the guests are getting better all the time. We're getting yeah. a bit more yeah. sophisticated with our outreach. Yeah. I hope me and Theo are getting better at asking questions. My hair's definitely um, longer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everything is growing. This group is growing. And yeah, it's been very, very special, especially after the loss of WhatsApp. Rest in peace. Something. Yes. Another prediction for 2020. We are bringing something massive to replace that. So just stay tuned. And for now, let's use this group to talk about news, trends, all things podcast. And we'll be back early next year with Social Minds. Definitely. If you are celebrating, have a fantastic Christmas um, and also a happy new year. And well, we'll see you in the new year. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson.